Welcome to There's Just Too Much, the podcast that commiserates and celebrates in our ridiculously overabundant world. My name is Chris Albrecht, and a thing you should know about me is that I love comic books. In fact, I love them so much that I made my parents literally travel with them around the world uh, and not let them uh, part with my collection from when I was a kid because I was convinced that, well, just because I wanted to keep them, but also I was convinced at some point they were going to make me wealthy beyond my far, <laughs> my biggest imagination. Um, and back when I was a kid, we had Saturday morning cartoons, and that was the only way you got your superhero fix. But that's not the case anymore, as you probably know if you've been to any movie theater in the past five years, five, ten years. And I'm so excited to have my guest today. He is a scholar, a gentleman. He is a contributor to the iFanboy um, uh, website, although I should call that that's a podcast. He's, uh, he's, he helps talk with them about superhero stuff and movie stuff. It's uh, the Internet's Mike Romo. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, Chris. It is extremely exciting to be here. I, uh, I'm, <laughs> you, you've, you've hit a raw nerve. So when I got your email, it was like a nice festering wound opened up. So I'm really excited to plug it. Oh, <laughs> we're off to a graphic start on today's show. <laughs> no, this is an intense conversation. Um, as I was talking to you before we started taping, I actually wrote an article for iFanboy.com on June 6th, uh, uh, 2008. And the title was, Are Comic Book Movies Ruining Summer? And obviously, this goes beyond just movies. It goes beyond just summer. So I think the timing for this is perfect. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so maybe we should set the stage for people. So let, let's actually, yeah. let's go in the Wayback Machine, ooh, take a, tribute, ooh, a trip back, back to the 70s, when literally, like, you, you had to wait till Saturday morning, and there was Super Friends, and then maybe some other superhero-esque show there was the fantastic four but they had the robot the robot herbie um and then they had those those weird like 60s cartoons i guess that sure had... those, those always felt like when i was a kid growing up with them they, they felt like in my kid's brain like they were from the 30s or the 40s you know mighty yes. thor yes and they had and they were terribly animated but you know it was like i can either it's it's crack and I'll just smoke it. I'll just yes. trust that it's going to be okay and it's going to hurt my feelings, but I'm going to watch it. But it'll you're right. Be, it'll it won't be canon. It'll be <laughs> it won't have anything to do with the comic books. It'll be, you know, they had the the Teen Titans, they had a whole series DC had a whole series of them with like the Flash and Green Lantern. Yep. But it yep. was the only like you said it was the only fix you got. And so you took it. You're like it's a crappy live action Captain America movie where he has a flimsy plastic shield and rides a motorcycle out of the back of a van. Or, or that crazy uh, League of Superheroes. With yes. Or the Super Friends, that one with the, now talk about out of canon, but they tried, right? They had uh, Adam West as yes. Batman coming in. So it was, it was sort of a cacophony of comics that you would, you were so eager for. And I'm sure you remember going to conventions and stuff and you can now see videotapes of these classics and and DVDs, so if people are really really in, uh, curious. They can assault their retinas with some of this stuff. But not all of it was bad. You remember we saw the yeah the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon that was in color. Yes, as it reminded you at each show. Um, and in my, I was lucky because that was on after school, so um, so I could see a little bit more. But you're right. If you had any kind of access to superheroes, it was usually in the morning, the wee hours of the morning. And it was stuff that it was just enough, kid. It yeah, was, it, and it was it was all, you, it was all you got. There was no internet to catch up on it. There was no there there was nothing else. And so you you took it gladly. 
The idea now, though, that there's just too much where even I, a diehard fan, is just like, okay, guys, let's let's take it back a notch. This is getting ridiculous. I think the one thing people don't realize. So, I, you know, I grew up reading comics and we didn't have anything. And so when they when the technology finally caught up to be able to make these movies, you know, you heard a lot of movie critics go like, oh, it's another whatever. Why are we why are there so many superhero movies? And this was back when like Captain America was coming out, right? right? Like 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. We had gone for so long without them. Right. That was like, well, we can these find these stories can finally be told. Oh, and that's exactly it. It was like, oh, finally, I get to see blank on the big screen. Yes. So for for like for the first several years, it was just it was cool to start having to watch this happen in front of you and then watch other people start to have this sort of superhero vernacular. And there's almost this kind of weird golden age for a little bit where there weren't that many. And you were kind of looking forward to and you're all part of it was like, I wonder how they're going to interpret this hero for this next movie. So this, you, I was, I remember this, Chris. I remember being excited for these films. I totally remember it. And are you anymore? I, uh, I, uh, um, no. I mean, the thing is, it's so funny. I literally, I fell asleep during the first Guardians of the Galaxy, and we talked about this. I still haven't seen the second one. I, I hear it's supposed to be good. Um, I, I think what's happened is that. I can no, no, my wife doesn't, Whitney doesn't want to come to them anymore. Right. Yeah. So, cause, and she's just, she sort of hit the nerve that, um, I have been unwilling to talk about that. These movies are starting to feel very, very much the same. Um, and we're starting to see the same kind of dramatic arc, uh, happening. And I think what we're actually seeing is that the superhero movie industry is just relying on the same kind of beats and the same kind of stories because it worked for Suicide Squad, right? You know, these yeah. movies, these movies, we're at the point now where these movies can just be really terrible and still make a bunch of money. So yeah. we're in this really weird, this is where the too much part of this really comes into, where it's like, not only are there too much from a, a quantity level, and, and this is TV included, um, we're at the point where there's, that. Th- we don't even get a good amount of quality from them. And it doesn't even matter anymore because we're a global audience will devour these films that now, instead of being, look, oh, here's the new trailer, we're now we're feeling assaulted by these trailers. And we're like, I just can't believe they're making another one of blank. We've gone full circle. And it's interesting. I think we're, you know, one thing we should probably talk, it seems like they may be aware of that. Yeah. Because as you see, like Black Panther has Ryan Coogler directing it and supposedly that has a whole different look to it. It's going to be a whole different, you know, field in terms of cinema and sure. then the people that they brought on for Captain Marvel. So, you know, there's got to be a certain amount of self-awareness as well, to I think so. these movies Are you becoming watching? like stamped out. Well, I think you're starting maybe, you know, as things get more mass market, then there becomes that call for the indie voice. Now, you know, I haven't watched all of Iron Fist. I, I, I've watched the first 30 minutes of so. But, you know, the buzz on that has been negative. But and I, I didn't get through Luke Cage, even though I enjoyed his character a lot and Jessica Jones. But then I go to something like Legion where it's totally like the alt rock <laughs> yes. thing for superheroes. And I'm like, great. Now I really like that show. I really like what they're doing stylistically. You know, in a way, it feels more "quote unquote" comic booky than anything that I'm seeing in any other show or movie because they're playing with the format. One of the things that um, Grant Morrison taught us in comics 
is that the page itself can be manipulated. The panels can exist in and out of time. The, the analysis of a printed word or an image on a piece of paper can be played with. And I think that's what a show like Legion does. So as much as there's too much of this, there's that space in the middle that is getting more and more interesting. And so when I saw Legion, I got to say, I was completely surprised about how cool that was. So there, there is hope. Well, no, I mean, my, I'm still going through these things um, yeah. because I have a six-year-old. And oh, so, so he, great. Yeah. he walked out of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and he was just like, Dad, that was the most epic movie ever. And so you could just see great. like the genuine joy in his face. From having watched that movie, he thought it was so much fun, awesome. uh, and you know, I I get it. After I saw it, and like you could totally see that it's there. You know, it, it hits a sweet spot. You got the baby Groot, and you got songs that he loves and wants to listen to. Right. Um, well, that's that's the key age. I saw Star Wars when I was seven. Yeah, right. I mean, you're what's what's great is that you can be reminded of the thrill and like the awesomeness of these movies because you get to hang out and see them with your son. So that's kind of cool that you can, you, you can't even, you can't be jaded with that. You, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? What are you going to complain about the acting? No, no. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause I mean like, well, actually, you know, they didn't do a good job of planting that seed in the first act. So when they came back to it, I thought it was a little forced, a little hackneyed. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like the same thing happened when I saw uh, Phantom Menace with my younger brother, and he came out saying, man, I, I love that movie. It was so awesome. I'm like, wow, something just died inside of me because <laughs> I have to swallow whatever I'm saying. But I mean, you know, and, but the, it's really interesting because you have that kind of spectacle where you can see it with your son, and then you see all of the other services trying to be re- relevant in our viewing habits, right? So how, how have you been feeling about sort of this Netflix onslaught? Well, you know, I think to your point, like I just don't get through them because they're so right. long. Right. Like I think Luke Cage is beautifully shot. I thought the cinematography was gorgeous. Like it was really well done. And then they kind of lost me a bit on the story. Like right. he's trapped under rubble and he's like, don't move. And the first thing he does is move. And I was like, <laughs> did, did anybody pay attention to that? Yeah. And Jessica doing... Jones, David Tennant yeah. is amazing. But I couldn't get through 13 episodes. At some point, I just kind of trailed off. And I didn't even, like, I got halfway through the first episode of Daredevil season two and was just like, you know what? I don't even care. I just don't even care. Well, and that's the thing is, like, um, maybe it's hard to gather up all of this, we'll call it caring, uh, when it's spread out over so much, right? And when, when we're supposed to come to each project with, like, the energy that we had 10 years ago we're like wow i can't wait to see what they do with daredevil right yeah when when then like three months later you're supposed to ask the same thing about jessica jones and then four months you know after that okay now i can't wait to see what they do with iron fist daredevil jessica jones um all at once in uh luke cage in you know in the defenders yeah which when i read about it you know seven years ago whatever whenever it was announced i i I was literally wondering what, how expensive my flying jetpack was going to cost when I would commute to work because it just seemed like such a faraway universe. Yet here we are, and the defenders are coming. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm like, in part, and you know, you, 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 I'm sure you can relate. You, you almost have like this sort of professional uh, courtesy kind of interest where you're like, well, I, ha- you, that's what I guess maybe I, I almost represent the most. That there are some things where like. I'm just sort of expected by society that I should see it anyway. How many times have I said, well, I, I guess I have to see it, 
Oh, yeah. Just, just to maintain the conversation? Well, there are like, two phases of that, right? Because at first you're like, I have to see it so they'll make more of these. Mm-hmm. And now I think we're a bit beyond that. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Consumer as patron. Yes. Right? We're like, well, and, and I remember you used to do, I used to do that as a kid. I used to watch shows and just leave them on TV just in case they would somehow know that my TV was tuned into that show. Right. It's like you, we, we had this weird, I think, and you hit the nail on the head when, when you talked about it at the very beginning where this stuff was so scarce that we would take whatever we could get and we would watch it. And I still think we bring a little bit of that to our expectations with this stuff. It's like, well, you know, I mean, if we don't watch Iron Man 2 and I hear it's crappy, then they might never make another Iron Man movie. Right. right? It's just in the back of your head. And it makes no sense. Well, yeah. So here's where I, okay. So I want to take this in a couple of directions. But first, <laughs> you just put on, you just helped put on, literally helped put on a convention, a comic yeah. book convention in right. Dallas, right? Houston, Houston. Houston, comic sorry. Uh, it's were, all the same. Yeah, we, it's ten, yeah, whatever. Sure I, look, I live in the north. Lots of Texans I'm, who would disagree. I live on a coast. What do I care? <laughs> I get it. No, it, it, we were we were able to uh, uh, support some of the video game stuff that was happening at that show, and and we're you know I walked the floors and did the whole thing, and and realized uh, much to my chagrin that um, Comic Con is is just around the corner. But yes, I just spent time at Comic Palooza in Houston. And what was sort of the general tenor? Well, I mean, you know. A lot of these conventions are trying to please lots of different kinds of fans, right? So what was, I think another aspect to this is like um, the whole idea of cosplay, you know, yeah. and that's really, really energized fandom in a way. But when you look at a show like Comic Palooza, which, you know, they all shows like all other shows look to Emerald City or C2E2 or even, you know, San Diego, um, where they become a celebration of comics and, right? Right. And then slowly comics and, you say it too many times, it turns into fandom and entertainment. Yeah. And we, you know, kids aren't growing up with comics. They might be, they, but they are growing up with the heroes, right? And I know that, you know, that's, it's a broad statement. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of kids who are reading comics and I hope there are, but what they are re growing up with in to some extent we did as well are, are the, the bed sheets and the underoos maybe, or the t-shirts and the characters and the action figures. So there's, there's still a hunger to be around fans that have the same love of this stuff as you do. But, um, you know, you look at all, all of the guests and the panels and you realize, wow, there are a lot of stars involved with these kinds of shows i mean there it's an entire economy of talent and um and swag and posters and signatures and the whole thing but it, you know as a, as a fan who's been here for a while it's like well it seems like and and also one who's who's struggled to be an actor full-time you realize wow there are a lot of a lot of cast members doing this stuff right there's a lot of there are a lot of these shows so it doesn't it doesn't feel as special to me, like when I knew way back when, when say Leonard Nimoy is going to be at a Star Trek convention, like right. when was that ever going to happen again? Well, I think it's, you mentioned like the, the, the sheets and the underoos. It's funny how, because I have a son and this is not turning into the dad cast, I promise, <laughs> but it's a way, it's like a social lingua franca. Am I using that right? But it's like, I a, hope so. it's like a way, I remember when, you know, he was making friends at school or starting in a new class or when we moved you know, it's a way for people to identify like, oh, you like that? I like that. And it was, right. you know, because he, he's emblazoned on his shirt. And so it became a really easy way for him to 
engage with other kids in a way that he immediately knew like, oh, you're wearing a, you know, uh, a Flash t-shirt. I love the Flash or whatever. Are you wearing Kylo Ren? I, I love Kylo Ren or whatever. Well, remember how big a choice it was to pick your lunchbox for the oh, school year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, if, you know, now kids have to worry about Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of social marketing for themselves. But believe us when we say it was all about that lunchbox because oh, yeah. you're going to get that. You walk into that, <laughs> you walk into that classroom, you're a Star Wars kid or you're, or you're a Dukes of Hazard kid, right? Or, or maybe your, ki- your parents bought you a Fantasy Island lunchbox and now you are the beat up kid. Right. It's just like uh, it's just those little moments <laughs> where where you really had to stand behind your fandom. Right. And we don't I guess maybe with, the, you know, the whole idea being too much. It's almost there's almost too much stuff to be a fan of. So you're it's it, it's kind of a wash. Right. Well, um, let's go down. A, let's go down a darker path here, please. A little bit when it comes to fans and fandom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it used to be so when I went to my first Comic Con back in like two thousand and four, or I I tell you something even better. So I went to Star Wars Celebration for work uh, in two thousand whatever four or five. Two thousand must have been two thousand and six. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was in it. Um, where was it? I think because I brought my wife, so it must have been like. Oh, this is this conversation is getting California? boring. But the point it, is, it was in California. Yes. Yeah. And she, you know, we were just dating at the time and she looked around and she's like, this is the most positive, happy place I've ever been to. She's like, there's just so much joy and love here that it's amazing. And she had such a fun time and she wasn't even like a huge Star Wars person, but she loved being at that convention because of what it it kind of, all the energy that was so good there. Comic-Con used to be that way too. Yeah. Whitney and I I went there our first time and we were thrilled. I think this was 2004 when we went. Same time. Same time. It's when you really like, oh my God, I have a home. Yes. That that was really the prevailing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember seeing at, I want to say WonderCon in San Francisco where Matt Fraction was interviewing uh, Michael Shabon. Shabon? Shaboom, shaboom. I don't know. They're Shaban, I Shabang. Yeah. yeah. Shabang. Shabang, <laughs> my, shaboom. My Shabona. Uh, <laughs> the, and he was just like, and I remember one of them said, I, and I hope I'm getting this memory correctly, but they were up on stage talking about it. And one of them said something to the effect like, we won, you know? Yeah. It's, and I was just remember thinking that like, well, that's a weird thing to think. Like, what did you win and what did you win over? What did you triumph over and where does that put us? And I feel like since I've laid in my mind as I think back, like, then things get really dark because now you have these, you know, especially with social media, you have fans that just get one, they're just out to spoil everything in the movie. Then two, they're out to dissect it every little bit. And, you know, you've got sites dedicated to not just spoilers, but just, it seems like no longer just appreciating something, but like, I don't know what the right word is, whether it's just owning it or asserting dominance over it. I I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, I think it's like the it's like that one friend of yours that hates the Beatles, right? You don't really Tom. hate the Beatles, yeah, Tom, Tom. But it's like it's almost like the more popular the stuff gets, there's this more of this need. There is this need to like make sure that your opinion doesn't really matter. There's like a whole industry. It's like that honest trailers stuff thing, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, and I think you know the legit. That guy does a great job, but it's like 
Yeah, that's just kind of a bummer. I like the movie. Now you're pointing out all the reasons why I shouldn't like it. And that's kind of the inverse of when stuff gets really, really popular and is, you know, frankly, globally accepted and embraced, where you can't help but have these voices that just need to snark all over it. And it and it does get dark. And, and one of the things as I was thinking about this podcast and related is that look at the tenor of, say, the original Superman, the movie and the I will just use the word film because I don't want to swear uh, that was that we just saw with Batman versus Superman. Yeah, that that if there's anything that sort of uh, mirrors that journey from that first Comic Con to the one that I'm probably that I got to go to <laughs> in a couple of months, it's like it's almost that pathway. The original Superman is glorious. It's got bright colors. It's fun. It's like got legitimate laughter. I mean, Gene Hackman. It's it is a a wonderful movie. Sure, I'm sure there are problems. I'm sure there's a, um, an honest trailer about that that will make me angry. But if you compare, if you compare it to how dark and self-important and ov- overly serious the most recent Man of Steel film is, you can't even call you can't even call it a Superman film. Frankly, um, I think that sort of crystallizes your 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 idea where there's become this from a celebration. It's become there's there's it's generated this angle where we need to tear it down we need to deconstruct it we we need to make it grittier we need to make it angrier superman has to break that dude's neck and uh i think that's the unfortunate consequence of this being too much it's become it it's become something that gave us so much hope one of the things i wrote about 10 7 9 years ago was spending a year or so getting excited for a movie, you you would hear about it at Comic Con, and then 18 months later, you're with your buddies and you're super primed and really excited to see the film. Now, um, since there's so many of these films, the only way that they can make these things kind of interesting, I guess, from a commercial level, is to deconstruct it and make it darker and make it something that's like just sort of shocking to the conscious, as opposed to the celebration of what your seven-year-old self used to read as a kid. Right. Well, I don't want to end on a dour note. Doer. Really? Dour. Doer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to bum dour. people out because, you know, I still uh, I still go to the movies and I still have yeah. a fun time. Look, and... you know what? I'm I'm excited to go watch Chris Pine with Gal Gadot or however. I, I know I'm not saying that right, but in Wonder Woman, like I I, I have this weird sense of hope about it. Um, even with the Defenders, I'm actually kind of like, OK, I'm going to go see it. So it's not like I shut my eyes to it. It's just that I think I come into this more hesitantly than I did years ago when it was just super enthusiastic. Yeah, where you I'm go see everything. Grateful. I'm still grateful to oh, see yeah. the films, you know, and I'm I'm happy that we can have these kinds of conversations. It's a, you know, we we've been dreaming about some of these films all of our lives. And now we're in this really cool um, reality where I can look forward, really legitimately look forward to a Black Lightning TV show. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Black yeah. Lightning is awesome. Well, yeah. Well, and that's in addition to the uh, Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, yeah. Legends of Tomorrow that are Which already... are great shows. Look, you know, Whitney and I love watching The Flash and Supergirl. You know, it, she loves she is she loves the Flash, right? And I hear Legends of Tomorrow is actually the most fun on t- fun show on the WB. You know, and so I think they get it. 
those producers, those writers, they understand the little tweaks, the nods. But, you know, Flash is one of the most positive shows around and it deals yeah. with some crazy heady stuff. But they still they still leave you in that taken care of. They, they, there is that ideal. And yes, it can sound cheesy once in a while, but, you know, you need that cheese. And yeah. maybe maybe not unlike what's happening with so much of entertainment, maybe it takes TV to remind us of of the ideal and where the, you know, the, the movies are so they're kind of the, the broadcast, right? Where they have to spend so much money, but they also have to make sure that they hit all the right notes globally. So they can't necessarily be as free as the people who the showrunners who are making these shows on TV. Yeah. And so one other note I want, and I'm kind of throwing this out as a curveball for you, but if people wanted to get kind of discover superheroes, not like on. So what are some ways you think people could? So you're saying the flash is a really good example. Yeah. Uh, Legends of tomorrow. Are there any comics even just from way back in the day you think people should read? Well, I, I think, I, I think if you go and you read um, ultimate Spider-Man, you know, uh, Bendis and um, I can't remember his name. They're going to kill me. Um, but the ultimate Spider-Man books, those trades um, that's a really great Peter Parker. Um, that the Bendis really writes him in a way that's like you really get the sense of the teenager. And again, you know, the new Spider-Man movie looks to celebrate that kind of angle really, really effectively. Um, but that would that would be kind of my first go-to. Um, I would also say so this, Astro City. Yeah, those. I mean, that I, I each issue of Astro City is almost like a piece of art in and of itself. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. That guy, Busiek's a master. Yeah. Um, there's stuff out there for sure. I just haven't been reading any current comics, even though I, I do love to read a good uh, saga trade for sure. Oh, sure. I didn't know how to throw that in because it's technically not superheroes. Yeah, but it's, just, it's one of those things that should have show. You're absolutely right. Well, and it's just so <laughs> well, but it's also just in terms of com- like saga is just it's so just fluid. Yeah. Uh, not for kids. Um, but just fluid and just a, a really ex- stellar example of storytelling um, that is just confident and on rails. It's amazing. And but, people really like Invincible. I mean, it, that's a, that's a, I don't think that's for kids either, but that's a, that's a great superhero book as well. Yeah, that's, yes, by uh, Robert Kirkman. That's right. And you can find those in trade. So, you know, yeah. even if you go back into Amazon, you can also find them used on Amazon. You know, I want people to make money, but if you want to just dip your toe in it a little yeah. bit, you can usually find these or go things. to you or go to your library. You know, yeah. Um, you know, ask your local library for comics. You know, and, and a, a lot of libraries are starting to carry trades. And I think, you know, you with your kid, you, you guys can go to the library and pour through them. And you see that happening at Barnes and Noble too, and other bookstores. You can find one where they'll have trades, and you can start. Uh, going through them. So they they are really out there. And I think that's one of the nice things of all this is that the trade paperback is really a thing now. And it's really helping getting entire storylines out into more hands than ever. Um, let's face it, going to a comic book store can be kind of an unnerving and intimidating experience. And so I'm really happy that people have that opportunity to read these books, either via their local bookstore or library or even Amazon. Yeah. All right, Mike Romo, thank you for being on the show. If people want to find you online, where's the best place to go? 
MikeRomo.com right now. And uh, I'm probably, hopefully, going to be guesting on a few iFanboy.com podcasts as sort of the next round of superhero and sci-fi films comes our way. So, yeah, I, I uh, thanks for the opportunity. This is great talking to you. And you'll be at the uh, iPick showing of Wonder Woman later this month. Gosh, I guess it's going to be, uh, I've got to save up my uh, my aluminum cans for it <laughs> next week. And then uh, you're not going to be at Comic-Con, are you? No. You lucky bum? All right, well. No. I, yeah, I no, tried. not this year. Oh. We'll we'll be there. We'll be there. But I will be back here next week with another ipso episode. Uh, episode, another episode of There's Just Too Much. You can find us online at toomuchpod.com, on Twitter at toomuchpod. And until then, uh, have a super week, everybody. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.